Good morning. God bless you. Well, uh, first and foremost, I'd just like to say thank you to Pastor Stuart and Helen for having us. Uh, We've been praying for about, well, six years uh, to find the faithful remnant, uh, people that love God, sometimes with tears, uh, considering that uh, it was around about 1998 where a lot of the churches started to um, fall into an era that we now know as hyper-grace. Uh, which is uh, unfortunately sweeping the world. Uh, The absence of repentance, the absence of talking about sin and hell, uh, those themes that the Bible says the blessed Holy Spirit is talking about in John chapter 16 and verse 8, that the Holy Spirit is in the world, convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. There's no more purer message than sin, righteousness and the judgment to come and so if you find a church that will even talk about repentance today properly biblically as it's meant to be from this that we're all meant to be following uh, you have a very rare thing Uh, unfortunately people are uh, are moving towards better carpet better coffee and bigger crowds whereas biblical christians are moving towards better bible (laughs) Amen. amen amen Hallelujah. So thank you uh, for having us. And, and, and we were uh, blessed uh, being able to have uh, your pastors uh, come to uh, one of our parishes. We just started another uh, small church plant over in Stall to reach out to the Christian constituent there, as well as the lost, and give them an opportunity to come and uh, know the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, I, I initially, about six years ago, I was praying about planting in Maryborough. And I didn't hear the Lord on it at all. And I didn't know that you had such a good pastor here because now I don't need to be here. Uh, the job's done. The, the bases are covered. And all we need to do is get behind him and support him in that. Praise God. Remember, it's the word that saves. It's not the coffee. It's not the carpet. It's not the disco balls. It's not the singing. It's the word of God that saves. And 27 years ago, uh, I was a, a very violent um, uh, criminal, a, a drug dealer uh, in a, a town in southeast Melbourne. A very sick young man. And I persecuted Christians. I hated God. I hated Christians. My mother was uh, diagnosed with one of the rarest forms of bone cancer in the world called a sacral chordoma. And only 225 odd people live with that in the world. And so I blame God as a little boy having no Christian, no religious upbringing, not even Catholic, never heard the gospel before. I knew instinctively there was a God, but I blame God. My father left and so on and grew up very angry and very violent. And uh, I hated Christians. If I saw a cross around your neck, I'd try and start a fight with you. If you're a man, I'd try and start a fight with you physically. If you're a woman, I'd start a verbal altercation. Uh, And if you tried to attack me, I would have punched you too. Uh, I was demonized. I was sick. I loved my sin. I would have never, ever given it up for the world. Uh, I even walked through Uniting Church car parks with keys and scratched all their cars in the car park. And then said, come on. And incited them. Come on. Come and fight me. Stupid Christians. And uh, I I sat out in front of a place called St. Agatha's, which was a Catholic church. I didn't know anything. They had a big glass wall with a little garden area there, smoking marijuana, sticking my finger up at them in the middle of their service and all sorts of things. Isn't it wonderful how God has the last laugh? 27 years ago, Jesus Christ brought me to my knees and started to uh, break me down and help me. And did you know that I went to a little old church 
of people in their 60s and 70s, a church that had 45 old people, there were hardly any young people saved around that big area, that, that large, uh, uh, well, inland uh, city now, uh, town. There was hardly anybody saved, any young people saved. It was old people. I turned up with earrings everywhere, a mohawk, I had a shaved bald. I was hardly dressed, but I was born again. And they said to me, we've been praying for you for two years, but we never believed that you'd come. And they prayed and prayed for me for two years, from the age of 16 through to 18. It ended up being that the police didn't even believe what had happened. Uh, the newspapers, uh, I still have the articles from Crime to Christ. The police didn't believe that I'd converted. And I went uh, as an evangelist for the devil, now converted to Christ. I went straight out on the streets instead of selling drugs. I was getting people born again, stopping buses. I was the first person to preach open air in this town in 20 years to break the drought. I didn't care whether there were young people in the church. I didn't care how the music sounded. I didn't care about the coffee. I didn't care about the carpet or anything. I had run into Jesus Christ and I was born again. That's the only thing I cared about. Amen. Amen. So we can do all these type of things to get people in and so on and all that sort of stuff. But this has to be hot. This is what it's about. This is what saves, not the coffee, not the carpet, not any of that. Amen. Amen. And Jesus was able to turn me around. I'd never even heard. In fact, I remember walking into church and watching them sing things called the blood of the lamb. And I thought, wow, these people are really gory. I didn't know what the blood was. I didn't know what the lamb was. I had no, you understand that. I had no upbringing. I didn't know about Jesus. I didn't even know who Jesus was. Jesus was a swear word. And the Lord did amazing things. Amen. And so be praying, be praying because prayer breaks people down. And I was able to admit how the gospel affected me when I was 16 years of age, though you would have never seen it on my face had you have been bringing me that simple, good old fashioned good news of sin righteousness and the judgment to come but it went straight into my heart but on the outside you would have seen me like this and you would have never seen anything it was only when i got born again that i told the truth of what happened and how the word penetrated the inmost part of me because it is written your word goes forth and it does not return void it accomplishes that to which it is sent to do period when you speak the word of god it has an effect it doesn't matter what you see period it is written there is no argument contrary to it. It is written. The person is lying. It is written. Amen. The word of God is life. It bears witness on the inside of man. The word of God is man's creator. Amen. Amen. So thank you for having us. And my job is to light you up with the word of God this morning. I know you've got a good teacher here. And uh, we've been blessed to be able to steal your pastor and have him. And everyone loved him and everyone was talking. Some of the people were preaching his sermon afterwards to other people on platforms and so on. Someone asked, what did he preach? And and it was great. Apparently, I preached the week before on a similar theme. And so Pastor Stu came in, prophetic, timely. And we look forward to stealing him off you again. So we've got to get him up to stall sometime there to go and uh, uh, preach the good news. So with your pardon, we can steal him for for just one more itty-bitty time, if that's all right. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we have a, a sister from Ethiopia. Yes? Ah, very good. I had an invitation to Ethiopia and then a whole bunch of trouble broke out with the rebels <laughs> to do crusades and so on. Uh, so uh, things have changed a little bit. Let's pray and let's get into the word of God this morning because that's what we're here for. You're not here to hear from me and I urge you, remember, we, we love preachers. We respect them. Uh, the word of God endorses them. The word of God pushes them forward, but we do not trust them. Amen. What do we t- trust? We trust the word of God. 
uh, preachers, whether they mean to or not, can be incorrect. And that is why this is to be held up above every church, every denomination, every preacher, every teacher. Amen? Sola Scriptura. This thing right here is the foundation, the first, the only, and, and always authority of the Christian faith. Period. There is no one above it. We are all subject to it. Amen? And I want you to be fanatical about that because we are in the last of the last days. And the Bible talks about false doctrines coming in more than ever. Now, how are we going to know false doctrines from real ones? Well, if we do not familiarize ourselves with the authentic source, how will we know when a false doctrine comes? Amen? We must be in our Bible, not just here. Not just feeding on the word of God here. This is where we come together and you get to look at me and say, well, like those good Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, listening to the great Pharisee of Pharisees, formerly called Saul, now called Paul, with all the ABCDs, KFC, MLCs behind his name. Yep. The greatest PhD of all. Amen. And yet, what do we have? What do we have? We had good Bereans that received the word of God. Yep. With all readiness of mind, but what does it say in Acts chapter 17, verse 11? They searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. And then, amen. Amen. So that is the grace that we have to pay each and every one of us is the word of God is above you and you could be wrong. This is what we honor and what we trust. Amen. The word of God. Let's pray, shall we? Father, in the name of Jesus, come and have your way, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way. Come and uh, move uh, by your power in this place. In the name of Jesus, Lord, come and change lives. Father, just come and bring your word right into the innermost part of us and cause it to flower. Cause it to mature us and strengthen us, Lord. Like that Rio, that rebar going into concrete. Father, to grow us up, strengthen us to be able to stand up against the devil, stand up against the world, stand up against sin and have a, a backbone and have... Uh, uh, Holy Ghost violence in our spirit. For the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent, the spiritual aggressor, takes it by force. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. This morning I felt to talk to you, well, teach mainly on the rapture. How many people know what the rapture is? Just give me a wave. All right. So this is a larger teaching, and I'm not going to try and get through it, but I want to go through a number of scriptural references. So I want to encourage you, like good Bereans, have a pen and paper, write down these references, write down a quick note, because this is something that you want to get into in your Bible that you want to know about. Now, uh, the rapture is, or the harpazo of God in the Koinonia in Greek, is predominantly uh, what we would call uh, an end times doctrine, or eska is the Koinonia in Greek word, end eschatology, ology, study of. So study of end times. Some people call it apocalyptic doctrine and so on and so forth. And the reason why a lot of people go wrong in their study of end times is purely because the Bible is literally riddled with end time scripture. There is so much in the 66 books of canon about Esca end times from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. It's not only the book of Revelation, as some people would understand, but it is littered. In fact, one of the things that I like to do is I've got a saying, and that is it's a dirty Bible, clean Christian, a clean Bible, dirty Christian. Okay, 
So get into the word of God. There's blood on this thing from the Protestant Reformation. People hid in attics to interpret this so that we were not seduced or traduced. Written in the old King James Version there by seemingly popish persons who spoke Latin, read in Latin. Yes. And the common people predominantly couldn't read. So they were at the mercy of the priests in, well, if he said it, then I guess that's the Christian faith. But there were people who were passionate about getting this into everybody, giving it to the common man so that we could all look and be very, very careful. And one of the things that I like to do is I like to underline my Bible or color it in with some pencils. And many, many years ago, I thought I'm going to get a Bible, a King James Bible, and all I'm going to do is color in everything end times. Well, it wasn't a little while on and I realized that I was nearly going to color in the whole Bible. Uh, so I ended up underlining and so on. Even that was just, it was, it was littered. I started at Genesis, was trying to go through to Revelation. And then I realized there is so much in the Bible about end times. So much that is relevant to help us to understand. And that's the first reason why a lot of people think, well, it's a big, uh, a big subject. And we'll just, you know, I can't sort of match it all together because there's so much of it. And so they step away. The second reason predominantly is because they don't understand the chronology, chrono, time, or where things fit. And so when I uh, lecture or teach on end times, one of the things that I do is I encourage people first and foremost to get a timeline and start it at the back of the cross. So from the point that Jesus died on the cross all the way through. And as you read and you find something, try and fit it in on your timeline. And as you continue to study the word of God, no doubt you're going to say, I thought that fit there, but now I'm going to have to move it a little bit. And you're going to start to do some adjustments here and there. But you will get there through diligence, through diligently studying the word of God. But today there are so many different people that are reading portions and then Forgetting about the rest of scripture and they're saying, well, this is it. And and then they don't realize there's other scripture that's countering their reading of it. And so they're, they're blocking off scripture and that's on the Internet and they feel so powerful and everyone's an Internet scholar today. And so we have to be careful. People get all sorts of ideas. But one of the things that's very firm and there's a lot of scripture about is the rapture, the harpazo of God. And we'll learn a little bit about it. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. Did I bring my water up here? I think I did. I... No, thank you, ma'am. This is my wife, Felicia, and she's pregnant with number 10. And no, we did not plan that. And if you had have said to me you were going to have 10 children, I would have said back in the, back in the time that you are crazy. It's just that being missionaries, uh, we, we, we were so busy planning churches and running around and ministry and churches and, and, and outreaches and everything else. She looked at me, I looked at her, someone sneezed and we were pregnant again. And so we're interested in this one because my wife said, you'll be like Job with all the things you've suffered. Seven sons. And I have two daughters. If I have another girl, seven sons and three daughters. She's going to call me Job. (laughs) God knows I've suffered enough (laughs) for the gospel, for the gospel. But remember, formerly a persecutor. Hallelujah. Now one that preaches the way. Glory to God. It's been a glorious 27 years. 
as God has broken me down here <laughs> into his servant. Uh, excuse us for having uh, a little bit of the coughs and so on. We're almost through this. We just, my wife and I did a 16 day missions uh, trip in the Philippines uh, where we preached and did outreaches and churches and we flew seven times in 16 days in the Philippines. Our plane almost crashed from Melbourne to Manila. Uh, that was fun. Uh, I've, I've flown a lot and I've never had that happen. Uh, so it was fun praying out loud for two hours on the plane. And nobody, nobody, nobody was going to get bothered about us praying. Because <laughs> everybody was like, well, thank you, thank you. And uh, then we had an earthquake in Chowking in the province of Mindanao. And my wife thought I was shaking the table. We'd just flown in. We wanted to grab some food. She nearly looked down and then the whole room, whoa, and everyone's grabbing their table. We decided to walk out the door and figure that dodging power poles was better than a roof falling on us. But uh, God was good. No issues there. Uh, How many people know the birth pains are increasing? We're seeing an increase of those things written in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, More and more uh, earthquakes. In fact, my wife looked it up. There was 2,000 or 3,000? 3,000 earthquakes since 2020 in the Philippines alone. Since 2020. Uh, there's a free app you can get. It's called uh, Quake Feed. If you have a dumb phone, a smartphone, and uh, it will show you all, it records all the earthquakes all around the world. And you will be shocked at that quickening, that, that speed and intensity. We now have coronavirus. We've had SARS, bird, flu, all sorts of things. The Bible says in the last days, last of the last days, we're going to see more and more rapid moving of plagues and pestilences. We're seeing famines in certain places. It's just that the, the media are not always saying about what's going on. There are plagues of locusts literally destroying certain parts of Africa and, and, and other places that they cannot get on top of. So I say the locust. Nobody laughs. Turn, turn to your neighbour and say smile. <laughs> Glory to God. A tough crowd in here, Stu. What's going on? <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. Now, I'm going to move quick, okay? So uh, make sure you take notes. And it's going to be, uh, I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit as this goes. But it's going to be like a shotgun effect. You might get a little bit here and a little bit there. But the point is... Uh, this is going to help you to embark on your own study. Second Peter 3.13 Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, whereon dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things. In which are some things hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. As they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So here we have the Apostle Peter and he is writing about Paul, the Apostle Paul and his teachings regarding Esca and times. And verse 13 uh, states in context, looking for new heavens and a new earth. 
end times. That's our context. Remember, take the text out of context and you're left with con. Stay in context. In biblical hermeneutics, interpretation, context is king. Absolute king. Verse 15 and 16 declare Peter the Apostle stating that for some end times doctrine, it can be hard to be understood. And as a result, the unlearned and the unstable then twist or rest the interpretation. So Peter didn't say that what Paul was saying was hard for him to understand or for others to understand who had time in the word of God. He was saying that there are some people who are not uh, electing themselves and who are not fit for those things at that time, much like uh, the women the women in Ephesus at the time of the Bishop of, of Timothy had taken over there. The women were un- unstable. They weren't following the word of God. And for a time, uh, Timothy put down, uh, Paul, excuse me, put down for the Bishop of Ephesus, young Timothy, what's called an occasional command in order to get them under control. And I won't digress into uh, Diana and the worship of Diana, or Artemis, as it used to be called. Uh, and, uh, and the culture of the time where women were in control and Paul had to get it under control in the church and get it back to where uh, uh, that order uh, was there. Uh, by the way, I'm an egalitarianist. I believe that women uh, can preach and teach and occupy any role that a man does. And I'll fiercely defend those uh, five verses in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 34 and 35, I believe it is. Uh, So I'm not against women in ministry whatsoever. Uh, It's important we rightly divide the word of God. But again, I digress. So here Peter is saying that there are some people who are young in the word of God and, and it's really not a subject that they should be trying to tackle straight away. They need a broad view of the scriptures, a broad overview of the scriptures and a lot of care to just be careful in their doctrine because people are grabbing some things and then putting their own interpretation on it. So it's happening then and it's happening now. There's nothing new under the sun. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 reads, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible also tells us in, uh, I think it's uh, Peter, uh, 2 Peter 3.16, I could be wrong there, but it says all scripture, all scripture. Uh, So people, uh, we must get all of the 66 books of the canon on a doctrine. And then what do we do? We look at it in context and we rightly divide it. We separate it as its context is and where it's relevant to a specific subject. It's called exegesis. And then we have a thesis statement or scholarly terms, which is I believe. And we say that one sentence and then people might ask, well, show me your exegesis. So here... Uh, Peter was saying there are people with eisegesis, which is their own self-interpretation. All right. It's important that we learn these terms today. It's important that we understand the various arguments uh, in things and get scholarly. Remember, you are a theologian. Theos, God. Ology, study of. Do you read your Bible? Amen. It is the word of God. 
then you are a theologian. You don't need to go to some institution to do a man-made curriculum, although it helps. I have one of those. They tried to teach me mostly out of what was written. Uh, But um, I needed deliverance after that. Permanent head damage is what PhD stands for quite often. We need to be careful. But it is a man-made curriculum of study. And, And we need to understand that that's good as long as the curriculum is based on sola scriptura. And actually learning doctrine. Amen? Otherwise, it's not worth the paper. It's all about just generating a job and income and it's become uh, monetized. Yeah? Amen. So study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Seek to understand the word of God. How we deal with being unlearned is to study the word of God correctly and carefully. And that is to rightly divide those verses and passages of scripture on this subject to obtain all of the scripture, as we said, on such rather than just a small portion. Okay, don't go off half cocked. Don't read something, go off half cocked. Before establishing something, a doctrine, go and put it to someone privately. Go and have a look at people who might disagree with you in order for you to understand the counter arguments in respect to it so that you don't come to shame. When somebody uh, uh, asks a question, and quite often I open the floor to questions in different times that I, I teach uh, to, to be off the cuff, here we, I, I need to know what's going to be answered. I need to know the counters in order to be able to discuss why it's not relevant, why it's incorrect. Amen? First Thessalonians 4.17 So this is our introduction into the rapture. We are looking to a new heavens... And a new earth. And the relevant part is Second Peter 3.14. that says, seeing that we look for these things, it, it, it implies that we are looking towards end times. We, the believers, the brethren are and should be looking. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 42, he said, watch for you know not the time that these things come. But he didn't say, well, just hang out. He said, watch. What should we be watching for? One eye on the word and one eye on the world. One eye on the word and one eye on the world. Matching what the scripture has foretold with what we are seeing so that we can understand the season, not the time, but the season around where things are moving towards this event. Very, very important. Very, very important. And it is assumed that we are doing that. Amen. No lazy Christians. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, wave your finger and say, no lazy Christians. Get in your Bible. Get in the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is food. This is food. And if you only eat it once here, oh, you're going to be skinny. How are you going to stand up against the devil? How are you going to stand up against the devil? Yeah, we, we need to fill our spirit with the word of God. Amen. And, and making sure we're not caught uh, off guard. Someone comes to seduce us, to lie to us. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Say air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, the Koinonia Greek word, as I've said before, for the two English words caught up is hapazo. And it means, well, 
probably the best way to understand it is to seize. And there's been a number of harpazos throughout the scripture. Can anybody remember the first occasion that we see the word of God talk about a seizing of God upon a person? Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him, plucked him to seize, to pluck away. Amen. What about anybody else? Anybody else know someone? Stu? Uh, Elijah. Elijah, absolutely. The chariots came and he was caught up. He was seized. He was taken. And I put to you that they are the two witnesses to return because they were taken bodily in their physical body, which has the seed of death in it, sustained in the third heaven for a time. They are dressed in sackcloth. They are both prophets, which is identical to that. And after a certain amount of time of prophesying, they are permitted to be killed. The only way you can die is if you're in a mortal sin touch body. So I put that to you. It's not written, but the evidence is very, very clear that it could well be Enoch and Elijah that come down to talk to a world that is done with preaching and normally would put it in prison, but they can't touch these guys. And if they try, fire comes out of their mouth until they have finished prophesying. Oh, think about the times of how intolerant we're becoming to the word of God. And uh, God will say, no, you're going to listen this time. Because if you try to do anything against them, they're going to call down plagues and fire and all sorts of things until that prophecy is finished. Then their bodies lay in the street. They kill them. Uh, But God, the spirit of life after three three days, raises them up. Uh, Why do you need to go to the movies when you've got this? Oh, my goodness. Hollywood couldn't even begin to put this into a movie. This is powerful. Powerful. Oh, lo- love your Bible. Be like a kid in a candy store with the word. Just study it to know it. Not to be a smarty pants because you're hungry. That It's always been a fascination of mine. That's why I studied the word. I wanted to know. I was excited. I want to know what God thinks, how God feels. I want to understand God. It's called love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. Amen. Amen. So do we know, uh, does anybody know of another time where the harpazo, a seizing of God happened in the New Testament, perhaps? Philip, Philip Acts 8, uh, uh, verse 39. He was with the Ethiopian eunuch. He went down into the waters of baptism and he was seized and taken away and he found himself in another place. So there are many of of. of uh, harpazos, this seizing of God, this plucking of God in the word of God. And there are a number of them to come. We're going to discuss one of those today. So what about the English word rapture? Uh, a lot of people will say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, the word the is not in the Bible either. Uh, The word and is not in the Bible either. The word is is not in the Bible either because that's English. There are no English words in the Bible. The Bible are the holy scriptures that are written in their original languages of Hebrew, Koinonia and Greek and in some parts Aramaic. So there are no English words in the Bible. So does that mean that we throw it out? Of course not. No, because what we've done is we've translated the word of God from one language or a number of languages into another language. 
So therefore, all the words in English are not relevant if we're going to say, well, rapture isn't. So what about the word rapture? How do we get this from the word harpazo in the corner in Greek, catching away? Well, originally, the Bible was written in Latin at, at some stage. So the Texas Receptus and so on was written in Latin. And they used a word for the catching away or caught up, rapturo. And that's where we derive our English word rapture from. So you can see it's perfectly legitimate. It's just the catching away or harpazo in the Koinone in Greek, rapturo in the Latin and rapture in the English. Solved. So many people get all caught up over silly things. And the reason why is because they're uneducated and they're parroting something that they've heard with an intensity or a, a motivational speaker. We shouldn't be caught up with the seemingly anointing or motivation of somebody. We should be caught up by the word of God. In fact, we should be very careful of charisma, charismatic speakers, because they exist in worldly circles. They exist in Hinduism. They exist in Islam. Yeah. But we say amen when we see the energy and vibrance of the word of God. Amen. Be careful in these last days. Be very, very careful that we are not moved by feelings or what we perceive, but rather by the word of God. Doctrine matters. Amen. Doctrine matters. In a world that says, don't worry, God loves us all. A church that says, don't worry, God loves us all. It's okay. Doctrine matters. I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit is saying more than ever to believers, study your Bible now. Otherwise, you'll get tricked into fool's gold. You'll buy fool's gold. Amen. How many people have held gold in their hands? Real gold. I have. Okay. And if you know gold, you become familiar with it. That way, when someone comes along to sell you fool's gold, you're not just going to buy it. It's the same with the word of God. How are you going to know fool's gold if you don't know the real thing? How are you going to know false doctrine if you don't know the real thing? You say, well, I'm not much of a learner. Listen to me. I left school selling drugs. Two and two equaled five in my world. I'm not smart. I'm still not smart today. In fact, I believe, honestly, I've been graced by God because I'm a fool. Because I'm the base things of the world. I'm not intelligent at all. My children can pick up on things, pick a guitar up and go for it. I've always been the underdog. Never, never, never. I couldn't even change four bolts on a carburetor when I was 18 years of age. I couldn't do it. I've been good at nothing my whole life. Amen. But I gave my life to Jesus and he resurrected it. Now I can put PhDs to shame and so on and all over the place by simple sound doctrine that's there to see. Very, very simple in debates and so on like that. And yet I'm still nobody. And that's the important thing. But I know somebody. Hello. Amen. So don't tell me that you can't. Okay. Don't tell me my mind was messed up through the amount of drugs that I did and all that sort of stuff as well. I did not have a good head start. I had a good heart and that's all I needed. Amen. And I got diligent with the word of God. So I encourage you to do the same. I can guarantee you everybody in this room would be smarter than me. So if I can do it, you can do it. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. You can do it. And you must because Jesus said you should be looking. For new heavens and a new earth. Jesus said you should be watching and praying. 
It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility also in 2 Peter 3.14 to be diligent, to be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Our responsibility. Amen? So it's not a free-for-all just coming. God says, we're co-workers. You've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. Let's do it together. Amen? All right, 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 10 reads, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Can you say, delivered us from the wrath to come? Interesting. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1 reads, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. What is the rapture? Well, it is 1 Thessalonians 1.10, waiting for his son from heaven. What is the rapture? It is 2 Thessalonians 2.1. It is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 reads, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So again, we can see the scripture says that at the return of Christ, the saints will be gathered together with him. This is what the rapture, the harpazo of God from the scriptures is teaching us. First Thessalonians chapter three and verse 13 says to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is with all his saints. So what we learn is what is the rapture? It is the return of Christ, but he's not alone. He is returning with those deceased saints. All those saints who have gone before us are presently with the Lord. For it is written to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the spirits of those just souls that were washed in the blood of Jesus are going to return with Christ in the air. Remember, very, very important because there is a time later where Christ will come and put his feet on the Mount of Olives. He will finish his return because the return of Christ is in two phases. He comes with saints. We are raptured to him. Gifts are held out. We have a small judgment. Lots happens. We watch a seven year period of time. Christ returns, finishes his second coming. Okay, that's what the scriptures allude to. And I put that to you. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 again says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Where are we going? Down? Up. Up. Together with them. Who are them? Saints. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. For those of us who go up in the first load, if you like, that's it. We're with the Lord. That's it. It's all done and dusted. So the rapture is the first phase of Christ's second coming. Matthew 24, 36. uh, When will this happen? We need to understand. We need to be very careful uh, in in respect to times and dates. There's so many people trying to do this. and My goodness. It's like, read your Bible. You can't date this thing. 
You can't put it down. You can only know a season. You can only know a time of where you see what Jesus has told us to watch for. Certain signs, the birth uh, pains, or, or um, uh, as it's also known, um, beginning of sorrows. Okay, beginning of a sorrowful time. These earthquakes, famines, pestilences, diseases, wars, rumours of wars. They're sorrowful things. So it's a beginning of sorrows. Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Okay, remember Christ. He was in his earthly body at this time. Predominantly to represent a man humbled himself, emptied himself. Amen. So that he could live as a man, not have a head start. So that he would be a merciful high priest. He would say, I know what it's like to be tempted. And then people say, yeah, but you're God. Ah, I humbled myself in every single fashion. I didn't have an edge. I had to work it out myself. Yeah. And the Bible says that at that time he said, listen, right now, this it's restricted from me. In the earthly man, my father knows. So work that out with the doctrine of the Trinity, which I'm a Trinitarian. Because he literally, Christ is God Almighty in flesh. The spirit in him was the father. You've seen the father, you've seen me. Yet there was a restriction. Amazing, amazing. In his earthly body, there's no restriction now. Matthew 24, 42. Great is the mystery of godliness, right? The Bible says God was manifest in the flesh. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. When will the rapture happen? Well, we don't know. We don't know. First Thessalonians 5, 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And this is very, very critical in placing where the harpazo of God, which is spoken of a lot in the New Testament, goes on our timeline. Because from certain times that things happen, you can get the scriptures and the times from Daniel and so on. You can get them to the day to know when certain things are coming and when the finishing return of Christ happens. So how is it that suddenly there's an aspect of the return of Christ that is this unknown? Well, because he comes in two parts. The second is known from a certain time. That is when the Antichrist is revealed or when we're caught away. Okay. Which comes very, very shortly afterwards. Very important. We get all scripture. There's been many times there in the past where I've had whole walls just littered with printed out scripture. And I'm like a madman, like a CSI crime room. (laughs) trying to put this all together over the years. And I love it. Hallelujah. And you'll be blessed by this. Believe me. This, the fruit of this doctrine will infuse you with power and wonder and hope and faith in Jesus Christ not fear remember so many people get so caught up with eschatology and they're afraid yet almost every time before God says something heavy he says fear not so we have to understand our approach to these things God said fear not before he then went and said this is going to happen he said but fear not amen amen very important this is to edify us and lift us up 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Revelation 16 and verse 15, behold, I come as a thief. And look at this, blessed is he that watches. Again, the scripture assumes that you and I are diligent in our study of the word of God. Jesus didn't say these things for no reason. We must be about studying the word of God. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Make sure you get in that thing. Start with a small habit. Start a chapter a day. We start our folk off a chapter a day. And, you know, there's been very, uh, over my, my career in ministry, there's been very few times, but it has happened, where some people in, 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 uh, in the congregation have said to me, actually, that's wrong. That's an error. And they've corrected me right in the middle of my speech. And I've loved the opportunity to be who I really am. Yeah. A man, not God. And show people that humility starts first in the pulpit. And there are only small things like, uh, you know, corn. Uh, the word corn was pulled up once because corn, predominantly in the English uh, years ago, uh, meant wheat or barley. It was a, an overview reference of all sorts of uh, different seeds and grains. And that corn or maize uh, came from a certain area at a certain time. And what I found as I studied this is is one of the common arguments that atheists will put against the word of God. If you take that and to show that its flora, its fauna, its food and so on is not uh, consistent with those times, those ancient times. Yet when you understand that the word corn is an overview for wheat barley and oats and so on like that you understood didn't mean maize and I was so blessed with that correction I said listen I'll have to study that one out we'll leave that there but then I after I came back the next week and I said the brother was right thank you for the correction excellent it's only a little minor thing like that and then I rebuked everyone else for not correcting me <laughs> there was one person reading their bible You've got to get in the word. Ministers can be wrong. They can be knowingly wrong and evil and have left the faith. But they can also be uh, ignorant and mistaken. Hallelujah. You don't follow ministers and churches. And he's a great guy. I'd get behind him. I'd get behind him before I'd get behind me. But this is what you have to follow. This is what we're fanatical about. Amen. Amen. Amen denominations and all sorts of things. We love them. Praise God. There's nothing wrong with denominations. They're just apostolic ministries. But each one of them, churches and and ministries and so on, must be judged by the word of God. Amen. Amen. We all have a standard that we have to follow. So uh, the Bible teaches about the rapture, that it is imminent. And that word really means it can happen any time. It can happen now. It could happen in five minutes. It is imminent. The return of Christ is imminent. And that keeps us as believers always aware that we should be without spot, without wrinkle. We should be doing our part. How does that start? It starts, as a matter of fact, with reading the Bible. The Bible says, wherefore, where, where will a young man cleanse his way? By paying heed to thy word. How do, you, how do I deal with sin, pastor? Read the Bible. It will literally inoculate you or put a shell and it will bring softness into the heart and convict you about sin and you're able to repel. But if you're not full of the word, you're skinny. You're walking along and the devil just push over. In fact, he'll blow you over and you're back into sin again. And then you're in hope. Hope and the grace is there for you. But we know the Bible says grace ran out for people in Genesis 6, didn't it? The grace has a limit, right? Yep, the Bible says those people fall away and so on in the New Testament, doesn't it? So God's not going to put up with that. You can't keep it. Listen, if you, if you are parents and your child just kept coming up and standing on your toe every five seconds and they're an adult child and they know better, how long would you let them break your toe? Come on. You know, you'd say you're not sorry, are you? Grace is for when you make a mistake and sometimes when you're naughty. 
But we never abuse the grace of God. There's a balance. Remember, Christians are balanced. Today we see more than ever a license to sin, lasciviousness, licentiousness. Today, oh, automatic forgiveness and all of this sort of stuff. No, we need to do our part and we need to confess our sins to God. Amen? Amen? We need to repent. So there's lots there. The hypergrace, uh, uh, there's extremes, but they're saying all sorts of silly things that are unscriptural. But, uh, you want to know about the grace of God? Titus 2.11. For the grace of God bringeth salvation. So we know the context. Grace that saves hath appeared to all men. Not some. Okay? All men. And it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts that we should live soberly and righteously. So if you have the grace of God, you're going to be convicted. You're going to be convicted to live right after God. Amen? So check yourself before you wreck yourself. All right? It's a good word today. What did you do today? I encouraged the saints. How? Out of sin. Into the Bible. Glory to God. Whereas the hope of grace would be running everywhere. Oh, it's not a nice message. Really? The Bible's not nice. (laughs) Very sad today. Sad state of affairs. Such a shame. Acts 1.9. Acts 1.9. How long have I spoken for? Y'all, y'all awake? Yes. Y'all okay still? Thank you. You can be my timekeeper. I haven't cut into your barbecue or your, your Sunday roast. This is better than a Sunday roast. This is better. You know, sometimes you're sitting there getting full of the word and saying, shut up flesh, shut up flesh. You get everything. You get this. You get that. Be quiet. Get in the word. And then you walk out and your spirit will be like, thank you. Your spirit will be, thank you. And you'll feel illuminated and empowered. You'll hear me preaching to you, reading your Bible to you all week. That bloke's voice is in my head. People say to me, okay, your voice is in my head. <laughs> that's the anointing. Acts 1, nine, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Remember when Jesus finished after his 40 days of appearance? He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So he was raptured, if you like. Okay. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So as we see, we're matching scripture with scripture everywhere and it's showing us the same thing. Christ will come in the same way, except he stops in the clouds, in the air. And all of the deceased saints, which are deceased in the flesh, come with him. Okay. And then other things that happen that we'll look at in a moment. First Thessalonians 4.13 reads, But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Now, what's interesting is the Thessalonian church was a new church. They were new believers. And here we see the Apostle Paul teaching end times to new believers. Isn't that interesting? Some people say, well, it's too far. It's out of my theological range. Really? Paul taught it to new Christians. See, again and again and again, you can see how the carnal man is put low and the word of God is correcting the carnal man. No. This is doctrine for everybody. No, new Christians can handle this, but they need to have a good base in the word of God before they embark on a too big a study. Don't lock anything in cement too quick. Don't uh, 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 appoint yourself as uh, Jezebel, the Bible, Revelation chapter uh, 2, I believe it is, or 322, I can't remember. 
But says that woman Jezebel, who calleth herself, we're not to be self-appointed. Amen. The hands of the presbytery watched, you know, tested, proven. I had nine years of being brutally discipled by two men. Not on Sunday, five days a week, sometimes minimum. Hallelujah. That's the days that we used to do things right. Proven, tested, holiness, morality, watched, doctrine, all the things that matter. Now you look like a good bloke. You can be a pastor. Oh, and we wonder why we've got adultery and all sorts of problems and dramas going on. Amen. Gifting is easy. Character is earned through fire. Okay. Gifting is easy. Anointing is simple. Character takes a long time. Okay. And, uh, and it doesn't mean you can't go early and so on. I mean, the disciples were ready at three years, weren't they? Three and a half years. All right to go. But uh, it's important that we don't appoint ourselves so that we don't end up coming to shame or then running off in pride and error and hiding our pride and starting something like the Jehovah's Witness started or Mormonism started. That's how those things started. We're aware of that. Now look at them. Good, good, genuine folk, genuinely wrong. Hallelujah. And uh, before you say anything, I minister to Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons a lot and I have over a long period of time. Okay, I love them. You know, the Lord loves them. And they've got to come home, come to, to the Jesus Christ and the gospel of the Holy Bible. Amen. I'd not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Asleep. Interesting word. That you sorrow not. Well, we're seeing what this word asleep means here. It's a nice term for having died in the flesh. That you sorrow not even as others that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, here it is, God will bring with him. As we said before, and here we see established again, that the saints, the deceased saints, deceased in the flesh, their spirits return with Jesus Christ in the air. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, us here today, and remain unto the coming of the Lord, or the coming of the rapture, the harpazo, shall not prevent them which are asleep. Interesting. What's this saying? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Shout, voice of an archangel, and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, in order, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazo, raptured, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What is this saying? Well, getting, getting 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and a whole bunch of other scriptures together, it's very, very simple. The Bible decreed in Genesis, from dust thou came and to dust you shall go. And so that is the prophetic word of God over sin-touched man. Paul the Apostle said, wretched man that I am. When I want to do the right thing, I find evil is present. He said, who will deliver me from this body of death? The Bible says that by sin came death. God never created us to be mortal. He created us immortal. God never created us to eat for sustainability and to, for life. He created us to eat for pleasure. We didn't, in fact, we didn't even need to eat. We are immortal. There's no death. Death came by sin. Sin came by Lucifer who fell to Satan and he is the birth father of sin. The Bible says 
that he's the father of lies. When, a spe- when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. For he is the father of it. Sin is the birth child of Satan. It is him. It is what he created. Specifically, the original sin was pride, called the condemnation of the devil. And so that's why you'll see a connection with demons and sin in the New Testament all the time. Jesus healed a man. He said, go sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Because sin and demons go together because they're one. They're one and the same. Amen. And so what then came as a byproduct of that? Sickness, disease, injury, mortality. That's what the Bible says. And so what happens here is God cares about you, not only spiritually, but holistically. He cares about you physically, not only now to sustain you, but also he has a vendetta. Have a look at the passion of God. My goodness. Even at the rapture, every dust particle from dust you came to dust you shall return. He's going to get back. The dead in Christ is a reference to the dead bodies of those deceased saints. Everyone doesn't matter whether you're buried or cremated. You're going back to ash. Leave a body in a grave long enough. It'll turn to dust. That's the decree. But God is coming back for that. And the Bible says in the blink or twinkling of an eye, which scientists have put down at one sixteenth of a second. When he comes at that time, at that time, those things happen. He comes with the spirits of those saints. The, the dead bodies and dust particles are immediately brought up, changed into a glorified body. And those spirits of deceased saints get their glorified body. The Bible says that Christ is the first fruits of the first person to have a glorified body. Match scripture with scripture. And the picture's all there. He is the only one currently who has his glorified body. Everything in order, the Bible says. Then, what's going to happen? The spirits come, they get their glorified body. God's going to get your dust particles back. And the difference is that he's going to extract the sin out of it in a moment. Because of that cross. Wow. I thought God, oh, you're going to look after my spirit. Yes, you do. But God's going to look after your flesh. Now, it's a little bit concerning about organ donors and so on, but still. (laughs) That's my heart. (laughs) I don't know. I think God will make a way for that. But then afterwards, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with the Lord. So in order, are you getting this? It's so easy. I don't know why people get it. So it's just all there. It's all there. It's all clear. It fits like a jigsaw. There is nothing out of place. There is no clash. There is no counter whatsoever. And it is amazing. This event, the rapture, is amazing. Amazing. And we're gonna, uh, uh, we will have a, a small judgment. For judgment begins with the house of God, but we're not condemned. Okay, But we do have to answer for things post-salvation. A lot of people don't know that or really understand that as a New Testament doctrine. We're not condemned. Okay? But there is a moment of, oops, post salvation, after you were saved. Amen? So we've got to be careful. Amen? Amen. Keeping short accounts with God now, but also understanding I really don't want much coming up at my trial. I've got enough coming up. Before you were saved? No. Gone. After salvation? How you've walked with God? Yes. Yes. 
Oh boy, that'll set fire to a church right there. People are like, you mean we're going to be judged? Yes, judgment starts with the house of God. For we shall all stand before God to give account of those things that are done in the flesh. It is written. Wow. Oh no. Guess what that does? It brings about the fear of God, which is healthy. Do a study on the fear of God. It begins to clean up Christian lives. All the girding, we gird up the loins of our mind. We gird up all those things. You know what that means, don't you? Girding up the loins. They had their, their long linen. They had a, their, their robe usually and they'd let it out and they had a belt here. And when they wanted to run, they grabbed it and they rolled it all up and tucked in so it wasn't going to impede their legs and they ran. So what do you think the Bible says when it says gird up the loins of your mind? Okay, don't let it all hang out. Tighten it all up. Amen? Looked like I was putting on rollers then. You ladies would know all about that. <coughs> Excuse me. You love, you love the word of God? Is this exciting? I think this is exciting. So asleep means death. You can find a reference for that in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 10. If you're taking uh, notes, it says David slept with his fathers. Uh, John 11, 11 of Lazarus who had died, Jesus said he sleeps. It's a common phrase regarding the dead in Eastern nations. Now, what about this shout? Well, when Jesus returns, he's going to come with a shout. The shout will quite possibly be a command from Christ upon his return and descent for the dead to come forth. Okay? For the come forth, as he called Lazarus. Come forth, come. He calls us up. He gives the command because he's our commanding officer. So as he returns... He will shout, now, come forth. Uh, John 5, 25, uh, as a reference for this, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. There's your reference. There's your reference. The dead bodies that come forth. That's it. Hallelujah. In fact, I like what 1 Corinthians 15 says about... Uh, uh, about God crying after he's done this event and extracted the sin out of, out of the clay and out of our particles. The Bible actually says that, that he'll, he'll cry out, Oh death, where is your sting? Amen. Oh grave, where is your victory? I mean, we need to get to know Jesus. He is on fire. He is on fire. Do you think, oh death... Uh, where is your sting? Grave, uh, uh, where is your victory? I don't think it's going to be like that at all. I mean, it's going to be off the hook. <laughs> Unhinged. Yeah, it's interesting. The Bible says about the disciples, they saw Peter talking and he said, you men, you took and hung him on the cross. And they, the Bible says they took note that these men had been with Jesus because of the mannerism. Jesus wasn't, the Lord is our shepherd. I mean, he spoke with authority and power. He owned it. And it was different to how the Pharisees taught. Amen. Don't worry about a little bit of passion and sit people in a form and so on. Let the anointing flow through people as the Holy Spirit directs. Amen. Long as it's scriptural. Long as it's scriptural. Amen. Amen. That's it. You know, the old saying is, if you've met one Mormon, you've met them all. And that should not be the case within the Christian faith. We're all different. We're all unique. You know, I always say to people, if you're loud, be loud. And if you're quiet, be loud. (laughs) I think it was Smith Wigglesworthy, uh, the apostle of faith, 
Um, how many people heard of Smith Wigglesworth, the Apostle of Faith? He was sitting at a bus stop. He saw an older woman come out from her, her house, the little front gate there, and she had a little dog. And the little dog uh, uh, was uh, 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 tagging behind her. And, and, and she turned around and she said, uh, Poopsie, go home. And the little dog sort of stopped and looked at her and she kept walking to the bus stop. Smith was sitting there watching all of this and, and the dog kept following. She turned around and she went, Poopsie, go home. The little dog stopped, kept following a bit and then the bus started to come and she went, Poopsie, go home. Your dog put its tail between its legs and ran inside the gate and Wigglesworth stood up and said, By God, that's how every Christian should talk to the devil. <laughs> we're going to say oh please Satan leave me alone sometimes you've got to wake up you feel those symptoms you wake up you're like this and you're half awake and you realise you've got some symptoms sometimes you've got to roll your feet out on the end of the bed while you've got a devil sitting there uh, doing his nails like this you know waiting for you to wake up and go out to the world <laughs> and he'll take off sometimes you've got to shout for the victory over your family go in the name of Jesus got to get loud Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Don't wait till you've got a plane almost crashing from Melbourne to Manila to get loud. <laughs> Thank goodness I don't need any invitations to get loud. Glory to God. Sorry? Oh, I don't have a sore throat. No, it's just that the back end of this thing can go. We'll burn it out. Glory to God. Glory to God. So turn to your neighbour and say, Are you awake now? <laughs> All right, the, this voice of the archangel will quite possibly be the archangel Gabriel or Michael giving command to other angels to serve in the process of this resurrection as angels will return with Christ at this time. Second mm-hmm. Thessalonians 1 7 says unto you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So angels are coming with the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, 31. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So they assist in that process. Hebrews 1, 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time? Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So we see angels, the voice of the archangel. Ark uh, just simply means great. Okay, we, we have three known great angels in scripture. Formerly Lucifer was an archangel, a perfection of angels created. Uh, and then we have Gabriel and Michael. So great angels. This ranks within the angelic forces. And obviously that great dragon, Revelation chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through to 4, interpreted in verse 9 as the devil drew a third of the stars. Job chapter 38, this when the stars, sons of God shouted and the stars uh, uh, sang for joy, a reference to angels before the creation of the world. And so he drew a third of an innumerable company of angels with him and they apostatized, they fell. And so that's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There's a rank. Powers, there's a rank. Spiritual wickedness in high places. So amongst devils, there are ranks because they are formerly angels with power. Okay, formally, no glory now. 
Anyway, again, another sermon. So again, I tell you what, the word of God is exciting. Match scripture with scripture and then you realize, wow, you know, this, the thing that those boys that was throwing that young man in the fire, that young boy in the fire that they couldn't cast it out and the man brought him to Jesus. It must have been a little bit one that was a, needed, Jesus said, fasting and prayer. In other words, it needed a little bit more gust. It's all got to go. The spirits are subject to you. It didn't say there's some spirits are subject or the spirit. It's just the spirits are subject to you. It's all got to go. But it's our faith quite often. And what happened when them boys have been casting out devils? They're all going, ran into one that went, no, I'm not, and got a bit stubborn. And they went, oh, maybe it doesn't work. And Jesus said, no, bring him to me. Yes. And out. Yeah. And then later on, they come sheepishly and they said, look, you know what happened? He said, because of your unbelief, you gave up. Hallelujah. I mean, we've got an instance in the word of God where Jesus prayed twice for a blind man. The only instance ever. Why do you think he needed to pray twice? For you and I as an example. Okay, Jesus doesn't need to pray twice. He's perfect in his faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God and doubt is sin. Jesus never sinned. So he did it on purpose. He measured the amount of power. The man said, I see, but people like trees said, pray again. That was for you and I. In other words, if at first you don't succeed, God works, prayer works, faith works, period. If you have faith the size of mustard seed, you and not doubt in your heart, you'll say to that mountain, be thou uprooted, and it will do. Nothing shall be impossible for you. It is written. Amen. Amen. Not all but, all but, all but, all but, all but. It is written. It is written. Amen. Amen. Build you up in your faith. We spoke about 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're not going to go there, but uh, write that down. Go on, go on, uh, write that down and read that. Because I'm just going to skip through for time's sake here, folks, and get to a few more juicy points and then leave you to your own study. As I said, you've got a very good pastor here and a good teacher, so he can lead you. I'll actually leave him my notes uh, so that he can scrutinise those things and correct anything he feels is wrong or show another angle. Now, that's all fine. Amen? Amen. It's all study in the Word of God. Um, the timing of the, uh, the harpazo of God, how do we know that this is going to be a pre-tribulation or a mid-tribulation in the middle of a seven-year period of tribulation or a post-tribulation thing. How how do we know that it's going to be a pre-tribulation? Well, um, one of the ways, folks, is to have a look at the character, the characteristics of God. Very, very important to understand that God typically, characteristically, gets his people out. He warned Noah ahead of time about an ark, which represents Christ, and he got his people out. Amen. He warned uh, Lot uh, uh, about Sodom and Gomorrah and the other three uh, towns and cities that were around them. And he got them out. God typically gets his people out. And he's told us to watch and pray. It's going to be like a thief in the night, but you have to be ready. And that's what the Bible talks about. It talks about being ready. That's the major thing. But also discerning the signs and the times and, and understanding the seasons of the nearness of the coming of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, it, it, is, it could be tomorrow. It could be now. I can, from, the, from all of my research in the Word of God, it could be now. However, I believe that uh, the, uh, the harpazo of God, uh, the pre-tribulation rapture of God, will occur 
um, and the Antichrist will immediately uh, come to light as the one that's to clean it up. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible says all souls are mine, from the soul of the uh, uh, father to the soul of the son. So when uh, my wife and I had children, uh, realistically, and to be honest with you, we are earthly parents, but God is their creator. God is their parent, and we are those under-shepherds, and they belong to God, period. All souls are mine. And so if you imagine the harpazo of God, a rapture, that he comes for his own, and you imagine that quite a majority of the people that are going to be caught up will be children. Hello? Now, I'm not go- it's for another sermon to get into the discussion of the age of reasoning or accountability or, or so on. That's very, very clear, uh, unless you're a Calvinist, Reformed theology, which is heresy. Uh, and that is that children are born innocent, friends, because the spirit comes from God who gives it uh, in Ecclesiastes. And God is light in him, no darkness at all, nor variables, nor shadow of turning. God can't give an impure spirit. We look at a baby and we say, well, when did it lie? When did it uh, murder? When did it steal? Well, it didn't. You see innocence. And that's why we love innocence and we love purity. And those little babies belong to Jesus. But there comes a time and scripture doesn't give us an age. Uh, The Jews were very good at it. They would uh, have a bar mitzvah for a young man at about 13, a bar mitzvah for a young woman at about 12. And basically they were coming of age into adulthood. I really like the way that the Jews did things. Uh, You're a child and then you're a young man or a young woman. None of this teenager rubbish. Okay, so they're just teenagers. No, they're not just teenagers. You haven't brought them up right. Hello? Yes, wounds from a friend are faithful. Kisses from an enemy are deceitful. Okay, it's good to be faced with truth. That's how I grew up. Be faced with truth. I remember when the Lord said to me many, many years ago uh, as a new Christian, he said, you serve the devil harder than you serve me. Come back when you're ready. And just rebuke me. And I realised I ran for drugs. I was in fights and trouble left, right and centre. Never, never once did I complain about the master Satan that I served. And yet here I am and can't even get a lift to church or something. And so I'm having a little bit of a tanty. And the Holy Spirit grew me up by talking straight, hard truths to me. Then sat me under an ex-Vietnam veteran pastor who sorted me out because I had no father, you see. I had no upbringing. I had no discipline. So I needed to change according to the word of God. So those truths, although they cut us, remember the word of God is a double-edged sword. It cuts out, but it also cuts in. Those things grow us up. They cut off the flesh and the silliness. And so children will be caught up in this. And I think, you know, seeing women walk around saying, have you seen my baby? Phantom pregnancies and all these types of things that are going on. This is going to be a major, major disaster for the earth. And it will be an absolute perfect time for a man to come out and speak smoothly and say, hey, we've all lost loved ones. We are the world. We are and unite the people together. And people do not realize that charismatic man that has a boat but doesn't use his arrows, diplomacy. Yeah, speaking with that perfect oratory speech. You'll notice earlier I said be careful of smooth speakers. Amen? Stick to this. Careful, careful. Rather have this dry than have it it, uh, 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 in some sort of smooth little thing where lies are placed in. Rather have it dry. 
than, than have it rested and twisted. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse 3 talks very closely about now he that uh, withholdeth, uh, only he shall withhold until he be taken out of the way. Many antichrists have come. The church is to resist the spirit of antichrist in the age. That's our job. But there'll be one who will be called the Antichrist, even though the spirit of Antichrist has been working for many, many years. But he withholdeth the church will be taken out of the way. Some people say that's the Holy Spirit, but we have a look at what happens shortly afterwards. And there are mass salvations of people who have been left behind. You can't be saved, friend, without the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's been taken. There can't be any salvations. Hello? It is not the Holy Spirit, it's the church. Satan's job is to weaken the church. To get it easy, to get the world in the church. Okay? And then what happens? Laws are passed very rapidly. And this is what we see in our culture today. Laws are passed which are aimed at persecuting Christians. And we're seeing more and more of that in the West today. We need to be awake. We need to watch and pray. Amen? Amen. That we can escape these things. First Thessalonians 1 verse 10 says, And wait for his son, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us... From the wrath to come. There's a good pre-tribulation, pre-rapture, tribulation scripture. Amen? There's a good scripture for the rapture being pre-tribulation. Why? Christ delivers us from the wrath to come. The Bible says, Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were... So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What was it? They were eating, they were drinking, just like today. They were um, fighting over toilet paper, just like today. No, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. I just testing you, seeing if you're awake. I think one person was listening. They were marrying and giving in marriage, right? Every day is the same. Christ's going to come back at a day that you and I are not aware. We need to put that there very carefully to go. It is likely to be a day today that Christ would return because it's a day that no one is thinking about. So we need to know the season and be, be mindful. Amen? Yes. Amen. I mean, it might be good. Uh, you know, being honest, we're believers in the word of God to leave a, a break glass CD of Pastor Stewart, a DVD there. And the, if the church is gone, they raid in here. Someone comes in, starts crying. No, they're all gone. They know it's the rapture. I didn't live for God. I wasn't born again. I've been left behind. And here it is for Pastor Stu. In case of rapture, break glass. Put the DVD on and Stu says, sit down. We're going to have to have a talk because this is not going to be easy. And we start to outline what these people are going to have to do and how they're going to have to do it. Uh, I, think that's, uh, I think that's very, very important. In fact, I, I know of people who are starting communities to stock food and everything for the remnant that are left behind. I know of people. Interesting. Interesting. They feel God has told them to stock certain things that when they go, it's all there for them to be able to hide from the persecution that's going to come. Uh, Make sure you go up in the first load. Does it make you lazy, a pre-tribulation rapture? No, it is a warning. It's one of the arguments. Oh, you just think you're hanging. Oh, you are silly. (laughs) No, the pre-tribulation rapture does not. It makes you think about your life and check yourself. Amen. Amen. 
Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Look at verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Saviour Jesus Christ. Notice it separates it into two parts. Looking for that blessed hope. Well, let me tell you, if God gets you out before the drama starts, that's a blessed hope. But are we looking for that blessed hope? That's the question. Second uh, Thessalonians 2.3 Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, a lot of people struggle with interpreting this, but it's self-interpreted down into verse 7 and 8, which is sad. Uh, the Apostle Paul is talking to new Christians here, and he's putting things in a chronological order. And he says here that there will be a great apostasia, is the coined in Greek word, a falling away. And the, the near uh, uh, akin word to that is apostasion, which is the word that we use in English for divorce, as in a husband or wife divorcing one another. And as we study, what we find is the word of God, uh, the apostasy, if there's an apostasy within Christianity, it's an apostasy from Scripture. It's a divorcing of the word of God from the faith. And this is what we see in record numbers now. I I mean, this is the, the doctrine doesn't matter anymore. When the word of God says doctrine matters more than ever in the last days, there'll people come, they'll have itching ears and they'll heap up teachers because they want to hear a certain thing, you know, and it warns over and over again as we come into the last of the last days that doctrine's going to matter more than ever. And yet the church is, is just watering it down. And well, God understands, God loves us and so on. You are in one of the rarest places in the world, in Australia alone, if you can hear the word of God taught like this or like Pastor Stewart came and taught us. I am telling you, don't look in the natural. You are in, you are in one of the rarest places ever. It doesn't matter how it comes out. Come you get on fire for God. You get on fire to hear the word of God. It doesn't matter how it's delivered. It's the word of God and you just don't hear it. And as you can see, a lot of other people don't want to hear it. The Bible tells us that there were uh, the crowds followed Jesus for four things. They followed him for the teaching. They followed him for the fellowship. After all, 5,000 people on hills, a lot of fun for a lot of people, right? They followed him because he fed them. Okay? He multiplied food and they followed him because of miracles. But the Bible tells us that Jesus turned around to a great multitude and he said, oh, oh sorry, I forgot one thing. Eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no part in me. Now, notice how the master of Christianity, Jesus, talks blunt and straight. That's biblical Christianity. That's what we need back in the church. And Aussies are known as people that can talk quite blunt and straight. But, but that is the character of Jesus Christ. He was direct. He, was, he could not care less whether you stayed or went. Now, that was a very commonly known saying of the day because they sacrificed food to idols. And it was said that if you ate of the food sacrificed to an idol, you were literally ingesting the idol. Jesus said, you become me, you take me into you, and I become you. For it's written, my beloved is mine, but I am his. It doesn't go one way. We are co-laborers. We gave up our life. We died in the baptismal waters. We've got uh, five people to baptize today after this. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And 
We died in the baptismal waters. We had the flood, Noah's flood. The waters represent judgment. We went to God, put our hands up and said, kill me now. And we died and what was resurrected was that new man. That new man is a new creature. That new man is one with God. That new man is a disciple of Christ, a wholehearted follower of the master, seeking to emulate him in every way, shape and form. That is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And note that the Bible says, oh, many of his disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can, who can, you know, who can understand this? And it says, many of his disciples turned back. One sermon. What was it? Commitment. Yeah. Many people go to church for food, family, friends, fellowship, teaching, and of course, miracles. Wow. <laughs> but how many come because it is written? Why are you here? It is written. You know, I remember in that church, and I don't blame those old people, but they're a little scared of me. I suppose I'd be scared of the Apostle Paul. He persecuted believers, and now all of a sudden he's saved. The Bible actually says Barnabas went and got him because no one else believed it. I'm like, this guy's a trap. <laughs> he's trying to find out where we are. He's going to raid us and kill us. But no, it was true. And in that church, I remember walking. I remember Christians turning their, their head away in the rain as I walked. Uh, you know, Kilometre after kilometre to get to that church. On my own, no motivation. I'd see them turn their head and I'd go, that's okay because I'm not there for you. I'm there for Jesus. So why is it that we do what we do? Biblical Christianity says it is written. When we ask, why, why, how can we have this? It is written. It is written. Every single thing is justified by the word of God or we don't do it. Amen? Yes. Amen. I'm going to wrap this up with one more verse. Some people would say to me, well... Uh, where is, if, if, if the, the rapture is pre-tribulation, where is it in the book of Revelation? Easy. Revelation 4.1. It's right there. You see, Revelation chapter 1, 2 and 3 is talking about the church age. Now, it's written to seven churches in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. Okay, they probably don't exist really now, but the remnants of, of uh, some of them have been uh, dug up. Five churches were rebuked. Some 60 to 90 AD. So, you know, 30 to 60 scholars are in, you know, in, in uh, a little bit all over the place with, with the time. But 30, 60 years after Jesus had died, the churches, five churches out of seven, had, had, had grossly dropped the standard. It's not uncommon that we drop the standard. We can see that. We have a look at, uh, you know, no disrespect to the Salvation Army today unless they aren't following the word of God. But General William and Kathy Booth, blood and fire. It's all about souls. March their bands, brass band down the road. Uh, they had the Skulls organisation, the publicans, because so many people were getting saved. They banded together and formed an organisation called the Skulls and smashed their venues so the Salvation Army couldn't meet because people would not rent their venue because these people were smashing their venues. And yet they just kept marching right through it. Souls, souls. And yet today we can quite often find, even though I can find a good soldier here and there, I've found a few good, good salvo soldiers. It's all pandered down and we're all about feelings now. We're all victims. We're all victims and our sin is a condition now, isn't it? It's a diagnosed condition that everybody has to be gentle with me about. The Bible calls it sin. And this is why we're dead. This is, this is why if we're going to keep making excuses for sin, it's not going to happen and we're not going to make it. And that's the truth. Yet go to different parts of the world where I go to and you preach it hot and strong. 
I was uh, over in uh, America with my wife uh, last year, mid last year. I have a good friend from the Democratic People's Republic of the Congo. He's American naturalized. He lives in Indiana. And he said, brother, he said, in Africa, you would thrive. Now I'm teaching here. Okay. I light it up a lot more. I've been gentle with you, actually. <laughs> Hopefully we're still friends after this. So you can say, don't bring him back, Pastor Stu. And that's all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm used to that one. But I'm here for nothing except your edification. But other people of the world will receive it. What's happened to us? Amen. Where's our passion? Where's our zeal for God? Where's our fire for the word of God and, and asking God, let this thing overtake me. Revelation 4.1 says, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. <laughs> you have Revelation 1, 2 and 3, the church age. After the church age, it says, behold, and I looked and a door opened where? In heaven. And a voice said, look at this first voice, which I heard was as it were a trumpet. Oh my goodness. Are you putting scripture together? He's going to come, what? With a shout? The trumpet? Talk with me and said, come up here and I will show you things which must be hereafter. And then enters Revelation 4 and 5, which is before the throne and things are playing out on the earth. Where is the pre-tribulation rapture in the book of Revelation? Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. It's, just, it, it's so clear. Amen? That sometimes these things are revealed not under the wise and prudent, but under babes, fools. Amen? Come to the word of God with an open heart and a hungry heart and watch God transform you. Transform you powerfully because it's the word that works effectually in us to change us. You lack passion and zeal? Plug in. All plug in. Get to the prayer meeting. Ask the Lord for personal revival. Start small. I'll never forget as a new Christian, I started to wake up to the devil's antics. I come home from work, brand new Christian. I have my Bible. I'm going to do my Bible reading time. Fall asleep. So one day I thought, this is strange. I turn on the television. No sleep. Turn the television off, read my Bible. I did this back and forth and back and forth. And then I went, no, you don't. Captain Obvious. That's what we call him, Satan. Captain Obvious. Yeah. It's like this sleepy thing every time I'm trying to get in the Word of God. How many people have just got into prayer and you're right in there and you hear... <laughs> and you're like... <laughs> or the phone rings. The phone. Yeah? The phone is always calling, isn't it? Next, I'll implant it in our head. Hello? <laughs> that thing, I tell you what, you've got to keep that thing at bay. Put it on flight mode. It creeps up on you, doesn't it? Facebook. Creeps up on you. Amen. Are you happy for me to talk blunt, talk straight to you? Because I love you in the Lord. I know you've got a good man of God. And I know that he, that's what he brought me in to do. And I pray that you've been edified too. And excited about getting into the word of God. Uh, about these things. Folks, we live in a time of great and gross apostasy. Okay? I was in a, a, the, a, the largest Pentecostal denomination in Australia. I handed my credential in after many, many years. I said, that's enough. I've not taken it anymore. We're, I'm done. We can't take it anymore. I rebuked you, correct you enough. You've you got no answer. Yep. Repentance is taken out. 
It's all gone to music. Beautiful music, wonderful music. I'm not against that. But where's the preaching of the word? Where's the preaching of repentance? Amen? We need a fire under us. How quick do we become apathetic? I'll be the first to admit it. I needed a good kick in the pants. I need, come on, get into prayer meeting. What's on the television that's better than prayer? I would turn up on Friday night at the prayer meeting after working all week and having done home groups all through the week and then Friday night. And as I'm driving home, my body would say to me, oh, I just, oh, I just need a little bit of a break. But, you know, the Lord said to me, did you say that about Friday night after you worked all week uh, for the nightclubs? Which you'd go and stand in till 2, 3 in the morning, spend your whole pay packet on alcohol just so you could be a womanizer or get in a fight. Yep, groom me up. Wow, I can't even pray an hour. Friday night? And you know what? When I'd come in, my flesh would be like, well, oh, that's what the flesh is saying most of the time. We don't listen to it. Yeah? But then afterwards, I'd be like, whoo, glory. I'd feel charged. I'd make that body do that. Make that body serve God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So far up. No retiring, you only refire. Glory to God. And I found out your pastor's a biker too, so I'm happy with that. I'm a biker. I believe God's going to do great things um, with us, and I'm so grateful to know you and grateful to know your pastor and his wife. And we, we really are blessed. I say that sincerely. I'm not saying that. Uh, there's no vested interest in me being here, folks. I can go and preach around. I've got invitations all over the world to preach. Okay, there's no vested interest for me to be here except to be a blessing for you, to be emptied, to be poured out here, to see you succeed and has nothing to do with me. That's how we used to be in the old denominations. That's how we used to be, is to see one another on fire and to know that there's a church in Maryborough that's, that's reaching out, winning souls, that's trying their, their best, that's praying for, for people like me to come in to repent. That's availing itself. Well, I'm, I'm praise God because it's going to take all hands on deck to get people home. It's going to take all hands on deck in these last of the last days, as the Bible says, uh, "Darkness shall cover the land, and gross darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord shall arise upon you." That's our job. Don't worry about the darkness. Get in that thing and watch what it does to you. Get in here. Get unified when you come together. Come together. Don't worry about what's on the idiot box. Hellavision. It's the drug of the nation. The Babylonian box. The one-eyed demon. <laughs> Turn it off. The only good thing on it now anyway is a cooking show. And even then you've got to mute the ads. You know, a cooking show or something like that. That's the only time we ever really watch it. Amen. All right, glory to God. Would you stand and I want to pray a blessing over you because I, I don't want to cough on you and get near you. I want to follow some basic hygiene practices in the name of Jesus. If you're sick in this place, would you just raise your hands right now and just you'll see my anointing begin to manifest here. If you have an injury or a sickness in your body that you don't want, just raise your hands to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your power. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse every sickness and disease, every sickness and disease, every injury right now. Behold, in the name of Jesus Christ, I loosen your power right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, thank you that you're the healer. Jesus, thank you that you sent your word and healed them. God, raise them up right now in Jesus' name. All ailments go. All ailments go. Every injury be healed 
in the name of Jesus Christ be loosened right now. Every uh, devil and attack against a person's mind here, whatever type of demon it is, sleepy demon or lust or whatever it is, be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Be gone in the name of Jesus right now. Leave and go to that dry place designated. Torment them no more. I command you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, for finance, people here struggling with finance, Lord, just release, Father God. I thank you, Father, that there'll be a testimony from this. Release that finance now in Jesus' name. For you are Jehovah Jireh. You're our provider in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the glory and all the praise right now in Jesus' name. Now, would you give the Lord a big shout? Give him a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, you can do better. Let's do three. Let's do three Jesus shouts. Ready? On three. I'm gonna I'm gonna count to three. There you go. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Actually, Pastor Alan, can you come up and do this one? I want you to shout. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's wake up the devil. <laughs> and listen, folks, I'll tell you something else. Job says, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, Satan came amongst them. Where do you think Satan is most of the time on Sunday? He's here. Okay, that's why you, your mind starts getting fried. All sorts of things start happening. Wake up to the spirit realm around us. Wake up and say, just mumble, mumble under your breath. Be quiet, devil, in Jesus' name. Okay, that's, he, he leaves his own alone, the old saying is, but he wants you back. So you're going to be stationed trying to get you back. Okay, wake up. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the devil. Let's shout three times for Jesus. Helen, you're going to count one, two, three and shout. Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. When I say one, two, and then three, we shout Jesus. Make sure you shout Jesus with all your strength. Amen. I see the boys are smiling at me. <laughs> Hallelujah. One, two, three, shout Jesus. 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 Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.